God is good. All the time. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are studying the I am statements of Jesus. Uh, the uh, seven uh, statements where Jesus says I am. And, uh, and by the way, if you miss... If you have if you have missed uh, any of the handouts and uh, would like to get uh, a copy, just let me know after service, and uh, I will tell me the copies that you're you're missing, and I will uh, <coughs> try to get you those copies if you would, you would like. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the statement in John chapter fifteen. In verse 1, John 15 and verse 1, this was one of Brother Hale's favorite passage of scriptures. Uh, I have heard him minister on several times. But in John 15 and 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. That word husbandman means the caretaker, the vine dresser. And uh, <coughs> uh, this is a statement that, uh, that Jesus made. Uh, and he made this statement uh, the night before he was crucified. Uh, it's when he made the statement. Now, we're going to be reading... Uh, down through the eighth verse, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, uh, tonight for our text, because what we're going to be getting out of that is going to be coming from that. I'll probably, uh, I will not finish in, in everything uh, uh, concerning this. Matter of fact, um, I only gave you the handout that I think uh, maybe hopefully we can get covered tonight, and um, we'll finish it up, Lord willing, uh, the next time we meet. But John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, done read verse 1, where he said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that he may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Hereunto is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And everybody say amen to the word. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into our lesson. We're going to read down through the handout here. 
I don't know how many people have thought about it or considered it, but, but God is a farmer. Hallelujah. God has planted people. Amen. He has planted people. We are his garden, and he wants to produce fruit for his own pleasure. You and I were created by God for a purpose. That purpose, to produce fruit for God. Hallelujah. If we're not producing fruit, then we're not in the will of God. That's what our purpose is. Amen. It's to produce fruit. Now, in this segment of our lesson, we're going to consider the topic of Jesus being the true vine. This illustration was given on the eve of the crucifixion after the Last Supper. Now, the Bible don't tell us exactly when, but I feel it highly probable. Now, and, and there again, this is, this is my feelings. When I, when I interject something that's something that I'm preaching or teaching, and I don't have chapter and verse to back it up, I, I let people know this is something that I, I get a feel for, I, uh, uh, I think it could have happened this way. I feel like it's probable that after they left the upper room and they were walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, they may have passed a small vineyard because back in, the, in that day, vineyards was very, uh, uh, they were everywhere all over Israel. And as they noticed the vines loaded with grapes, and I don't know how well you can see on your copy there, but I got a picture of uh, right at the top there of uh, uh, grape vines, and you got you see the clusters of grapes hanging there from uh, from the branches and the leaves. I kind of think like they noticed the vines loaded with grapes. Jesus took advantage of the scene and taught a valuable lesson on the need for abiding in Christ and yielding fruit. There are two things that we as children of God need to be concerned about. Number one, staying in Jesus. Abiding in Him. And then the second one is about bearing fruit. Those two things ought to be on our mind constantly all the time. Abiding in the Lord and yielding fruit. There is some consequences for those who don't abide in Jesus. Amen? And then there are some blessings for those who do. I read to you in the scripture said, if you abide in Him and He abide in you, you can ask what you will. Now, I had something just this past week. Had me tore all the pieces. I, as everybody knows, I, I, I'm the uh, uh, the current uh, secretary uh, secretary <laughs> secretary for the uh, missions for the ABSC. I uh, have served in that post for um, two different terms, uh, and um, I, I am. I am thinking very seriously about hanging up the mantle when we go down to Hot Springs this year because it's time for re-election again, and I don't believe I'm going to uh, 
take that nomination again, it's just, uh, uh, it is with everything else that I have to do. If I was a, if I was a full-time pastor and didn't have to have a secondary job, uh, it would, it would be different, but, um, sometimes, Brother Paul, and you well know, you can get too many irons in the fire. Uh, and, uh, <coughs> but, but anyway, um, we are, we're coming to the close of the fiscal year, and uh, which is the, the end of June, that we have to get all the reports up to take down to the business meeting. And um, there was an update went on, on Windows 10 on, on the laptop that I have, and it caused the thing to crash. And I had uh, a flash drive that I used to uh, to back up the work. I've been backing it up up till about a month and a half ago. I misplaced it, and I've been looking for it. So everything that I put in there for the last month and a half, you know, hadn't been backed up. And I've got we got to have all of that stuff taken care of for the and all of that and. Then, <laughs> And I, I know what the church went through with right after uh, we moved in here. Uh, Cassie had a similar situation happen to her uh, with a church computer. And uh, those of you that work with computers, you, you know what a hassle they can be. And um, I tried uh, for uh, a day and a half to get that thing to reboot, and I couldn't get it to do anything. And uh, I'm talking about the scripture here. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you can ask what you will. I took that laptop, I held it in my hands, sat down, uh, sat down in the uh, uh, reclining chair, and I said, Lord, I said, I don't care about this laptop. It don't mean nothing to me. I said, but I've got files on this thing. Uh, that uh, that's needed for the missionaries. I says I need those files. I said, Lord, you let this thing reboot, or you let you let me figure out how to get it up and up and running. And with within twenty minutes of me praying that prayer, God answered that prayer, and He helped me gain the wisdom. And I'm not that smart with uh, technology anyway. But he helped me find out what to do, got it back up, and didn't lose nothing. Hallelujah. I believe what the book says. If you abide in him and his word abide in you, you can ask what you will. It shall be done. Hallelujah. Let's talk a little bit about Jesus being the true vine. When Jesus began his dissertation of the vine, we should take notice first of what he didn't say. I think it's important sometimes to think about what he didn't say. For example, he didn't say, I am a vine. Amen. He didn't say, I am a vine, or he didn't say, I'm like a vine. Amen. But he said, I am the true vine. 
the Orthodox Jew in his day would have probably taken, uh, it's supposed to have been taken, offense. Why? Why would they have gotten upset if they had, the Orthodox Jew in his day they had heard him say he's a true vine? Well, throughout the Old Testament, the grapevine was a prominent symbol for the people of Israel. I don't, uh, I don't know if you, uh, how much about that you have studied or known, but throughout the Old Testament, uh, it was a symbol of the people of Israel. The vine was a favorite metaphor to describe the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Time and again, the people of Israel are likened to a vine. In fact, right in the temple, their temple, the very center of their uh, uh, national life, there was a massive, now think about this, there was a massive vine. If you went inside that old temple, because the the temple was destroyed and it's not uh, not there now, there's fixing to be another temple built. It's going to, it's just not going to be very, very long, I don't believe. But there was a massive vine made of solid gold over 90 feet high. Now stop and think about that. Can you imagine the value that would be monetarily today? Uh, 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 the symbol of a massive vine made of solid gold, 90 foot Tall. I got this out of Jewish history is where I got this from. Um, I never did know that myself until I, I looked that up and found that today. My, that was, that was a lot of gold. It was a symbol of the nation and its prosperity. One scriptural Old Testament passage referring to Israel as a vine is in Psalms 80. Now let's take a, we'll take a read of that, Psalms 80, verses 8 through 10. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. God's people are described here in Psalms 80 as a massive vine planted by the Lord. God brought them out of Egypt, planted them in their own land, and the whole purpose for their redemption was that they would bear fruit for His pleasure. That was their purpose. Now, keep that in mind as we type this to us in the church today. But even though Israel was planted well by the Lord, she didn't produce the fruit that God wanted. Amen. Israel as a nation did not produce the fruit as God wanted or expected. Jeremiah 2 and 21, God lets them know of his displeasure for them. He said, yet I had planted thee a a noble vine, holy a right seed, how then art thou turned into the de, de, uh, degenerate plant 
of a strange vine unto me. My. You know, I hate to say this, but the Pentecostal Apostolic Church is getting farther and farther removed from what God intended it. Hallelujah. We are forgetting many of the foundational truths that has brought this church to this point because we say that it don't fit in today's world uh, or it's, it's, not, um, it's not compatible. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the, the Word of God has, never has been and never will be compatible with the flesh. Neither will it be compatible with the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, God was dissatisfied with his nation, the nation of Israel. By and large, the Lord didn't find the fruit he was looking for from Israel, his beloved vine. The vine of Israel proved false. And here we go. Remember now, I'm letting you know why Jesus brought this out and said he was the true vine. The vine of Israel proved to be false. So Jesus' claim, I am the true vine, served notice that he had arrived to fulfill what Israel as a nation had not. True life and righteousness would flow from him. Hallelujah. The vineyard as a whole is metaphoric for the kingdom of God. The true vine is Christ as the source of life. We are the branches or the part which produces fruit. Talking about the church. And the Father, which is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, they're all three in one, is the caretaker of the vineyard. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. If we listen to the Spirit of God... The Holy Ghost knows what everybody needs in every service we get, we come to. Hallelujah. When people gather together to worship the Lord and we come together, not me, myself as a man, I don't, I don't know what people's needs are spiritually or, or, or naturally in other way, but the Holy Ghost knows. And the Holy Ghost is a caretaker of the vineyard of God, which is the church today. And God's Spirit directs. Hallelujah. Amen. So things can move if we will yield ourselves to Him. And if everybody will yield themselves to the Holy Ghost, then everybody's need will be met when we come together to worship God. Hallelujah. So, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. And that right there is what would have rubbed the, the Orthodox Jew raw. Because remember now, they took pride in being considered the vine, uh, uh, the, uh, the vine of God. There had to be some pride there. Or why in the world would they uh, uh, have a 90-foot-tall replica of a vine made of gold sticking in their temple? And Jesus says, no, no, I'm the true vine. The true vine is not Israel. Israel has walked away from God. 
Israel is doing their own thing, quite like a lot of the churches are doing today. Hallelujah. So he is the true vine. Now I'm going to talk about the necessity of producing. The second verse said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it or prunes it, that he might bring forth more fruit. Amen. I took time to interject something right here because I think it's important. The doctrine of unconditional eternal security, which is the doctrinal teaching that a lot of people just simply call once saved, always saved. The doctrine of unconditional eternal security is a biblical misconception and a total farce by this one scripture alone. If I didn't have any other scriptures, which I do, because you don't take, the Bible lets us know we're not supposed to take one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. Hallelujah. That's where a lot of people get off track. Hallelujah. But there are many others that will go along with this. I, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm not bringing it up. But this one scripture alone proves that once saved, always saved is false. And that teaching is going to cause a lot of people to wind up lost. It's a biblical misconception and a total farce. Jesus was referring to branches in him. Those branches in him, the phrase in him, have the possibility of being cut and lifted off the vine if it does not produce fruit. Notice that. Look at John 15 and 2. Every branch in me. We're not talking about something that ain't never been in him. We're referring to something that has been grafted in him. Every branch in me, something, something that's been a part of me. Now, the picture of the, of the, uh, the, vine, uh, the vine, he said, I'm the vine. That said, the big, uh, big stalk that comes out of the center there on your picture, and the branches come off across the top. And I was reading something written by uh, somebody who, who works in a vineyard, and he said that it's almost impossible to tell. I found this very interesting. He said it's almost impossible to tell where the vine ends and the branches begin. Think about that for a moment. Say we're Christian, huh? Christians to be Christ-like. But yet, so many of us, Sister Moore, want to be so much like the world. We want to talk like it. We want to look like it. We want to act like it. But if we're really in Him, when you look at somebody that's in Him, it's going to be hard to distinguish where the vine ends and the branches begin because the branch is so close to the vine. Hallelujah. And it looks, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It takes an expert eye to tell 
tell the difference. Hallelujah. Amen. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he, the vine dresser, taketh away. Hallelujah. That one verse alone destroys once saved, always saved. Hallelujah. My Lord, I, I never will forget there was a stir in a Baptist church in Nashville many years ago. The uh, Baptist preacher gets up behind the pulpit and he was trying to preach this doctrine of unconditional turn of security once saved, always saved. And he told his congregation, he says, look, he said, when I was a child, a nine-year-old, I accepted Jesus as my Savior by faith. So I got saved. He said, and as I stand before you right now, he said, I could pull out, he said, I could pull out a gun out of my pocket and blow every one of you to smithereens. And still, when I die, walk on the streets of gold because I got saved back there when I was a little kid. I believed in the Lord. That's pitiful. That's just plain pitiful. Every branch in me. We're talking about something that is in Jesus. Not something that's out of him, but that is in him. It's a part of him. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. He, he prunes it. Hallelujah. Keeps, keeps the dead cut back. Hallelujah. Sometimes God has to prune us. It may not be a pleasant process, but sometimes there might be some things necessary that God needs to cut off of me. Hallelujah. If I'm to be more like the Lord and if I live pleasing God, sometimes there's some stuff God has to take away from me. Hallelujah. My Lord. Glory to God. Those branches in Him have the possibility of being cut and lifted off the vine if it does not produce fruit. What we need to consider is purpose. And that's what I started out talking to you about, about purpose. What is the purpose for the branch being in the vine? We're, we're, the, we're the branch, and what's the purpose of us being connected to the vine anyway? That's exactly right. So the purpose is to bring forth fruit. If the vine dresser of the vineyard sees a branch on the vine which is not producing, he will eventually lift it off from the vine so as not to have it waste nutrients that could be flowing to producing branches. Just like a gardener. I mean, I've raised a few gardens in my time, and if you, if you got, if you got something on a tomato plant or, or anything else, there are sometimes you, you got to, you got to get rid of some stuff. Something that's not doing any good and not producing, you don't need it to be stealing nutrients from the branches or the part that is doing good. And that's why God does that a lot of times. He don't, he, he don't want to, he don't want to waste the nutrients that could be flowing to pro, those branches that are producing. Notice what John the Baptist had to say about not bearing fruit. And we're going to take this a little further next week. Like I said, when I, I'm not going to finish this part about him being the true vine tonight. We're going to be talking about some of the fruits that we are to produce. 
But Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around uh, the Jordan, excuse me, went out to meet him. Talking about John the Baptist. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when they saw many of the Pharisees, when he saw, excuse me, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, you know, you would think if you was having a baptizing service, you'd be happy for everybody to come and got in line. Hallelujah. I, the, Lord, the Lord showed me something one time. Apostolic preachers have done a lot of people injustice by baptizing them before they needed to be baptized. If not... Where are all the people we have baptized? Where are they at? So some preachers just like to put another notch in their belt. Well, I've baptized another one, you know. But what are we really doing? Here they come. John was baptizing. Here come some Pharisees and Sadducees lining up. Did he say, welcome, brothers? Step right up. The water's good. Hallelujah. Amen. That's kind of like that movie, uh, uh, Old Brother, Where Out Thou? One of them got baptized, and he came out and told the rest of them, he, come on in, boys. The water's fine. <laughs> Hallelujah. A lot of people getting baptized in the church is kind of like them fellas right there. All they are become soggy bottom boys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What happened? When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he called them a brood of vipers. You bunch of snakes. My, my, my. Sound like something Sister Darlene would say. <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. He said, don't come to my baptizing until you've got to show me some fruits to let me know you've repented. I want to know you have really repented before I waste my time on you. Hey, people think preachers are tough now. We need to, we need to listen to some of those fellas. I mean, basically, that's what John the Baptist was saying. He said, I ain't going to waste my time fooling with you until you show me something. Wow. Hallelujah. Bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, here's verse 10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the far. That's another verse by the mouth of two or three witnesses let everything be. That's another verse right there that goes with the other one up there that uh, once saved, always saved. It's just not biblical. Because here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a, a tree that's had life, 
but it's going to be cut down and thrown on the fire because it has quit bearing fruit. Anybody got any comments or questions about tonight's lesson?